Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I'm your host. And uh, this week we've got Chris joining us in just a moment with his usual cruise news and maritime history. Uh, But before we get there, a couple of thank yous. First of all, to Ted, who wrote in, uh, with a question which inspired um, this week's maritime history. I did send it over to Chris, and he will be answering that in just a couple of minutes. But basically, Ted wanted to know if there was any distinctive differences between the uh, ocean liners of yesteryear that plied the Atlantic versus elsewhere in the world. And uh, Chris is more than happy to answer that one for you as well. Um, we also have another list of questions which has come in um, from Michael. We will answer that in next week's show, but I'll introduce that. And also a big thank you out to David who was very kind and sent through a coffee for myself and Chris, um, which I'm going to surprise Chris with a little later in the show. But uh, David was listening in, dropped us a message and said, just discovered the podcast recently, loving it. Can't wait to get back on QM2 again. Uh, So this is keeping us going in the meantime. Excellent podcast and have a coffee for each of you and Chris. All the best, David, listening in Scotland. David, thank you very, very much. And uh, thank you for for listening. I'll be sure to share share that with Chris and we will... uh, um, I've got a little plan, actually. I'll explain it to Chris a little later in the show. Now, um, if uh, you are in a part of the world which has restarted cruising, as we know, the UK, Singapore, Taiwan, and uh, soon to be the US. In fact, Alaska is uh, ramping up ready for a uh, July restart. Um, We'd love to hear from you. If you want to share your experience of uh, cruising post-COVID, get in touch with us via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Top right-hand corner, you'll see Join the Show. That's how you can uh, get in touch with us whether it's a question for myself or Chris, or whether you want to uh, send through a ship that you want to review with us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, it's great to see so many of you writing in uh, through the website and also keeping in touch with the show, social media channels too. Um, but let's not waste any time. Let's uh, go and join Chris now. And of course, we're going to start off with uh, answering Ted's question in Maritime History. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. 
It's Friday once again, and that means only one thing. It must be time for Chris Frame to join us for all things cruise news and maritime history. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Baz, good. Yeah, I'm enjoying seeing uh, the pictures and videos that have come back from um, MSC's first voyages out of the UK. It's exciting yeah. to see things kicking off again. So, yeah, yeah. looks like it's all gone very successfully, and hopefully we're going to speak to Emma in a, uh, a week or so when things have calmed down for her so we can uh, get... Uh, her opinion on everything that went down there. Um, and of course, a reminder to the listeners if they are going on a cruise, because there's lots of ships about to ramp up all over the world. Um, do get in touch. Let us know uh, your thoughts. And uh, if possible, we can uh, arrange a call and discuss it for our listeners' pleasure. Mm. Um, I have got a list of questions. I did send it through to you beforehand, which kind of, I guess, is helping out with maritime history this week. Um, Ted, now he didn't say where he was from, but he was asking if there was any particular difference between a transatlantic ocean liner and other ocean liners. Um, and I don't know the answer to that one, so I'll hand that one to you. Yeah, so when, um, when, when you sent the question through, I did think about this from um, sort of the perspective of that we often talk about the, the great big Atlantic liners, and, and I suppose in, in many respects, the North Atlantic was where the transatlantic, or well, rather the ocean liner story really started. Mm-hmm. doing those transatlantic voyages. So the first true ocean liners were built um, to operate on the North Atlantic. These are the ships that were steam-powered. Um, Brunel's Great Great Western, for example, the, the first design to allow it to be operated under steam power for the duration of, a, of an Atlantic crossing, which was, mm-hmm. you know, a compared to the long duration voyages around the world was was quite a um a good sort of benchmark i suppose because it's um one stretch of water between two points in many cases mm-hmm. um from a european port to an american or canadian port so um they were able to sort of plan that out and so because of that we saw liners steam powered ships become very popular on the atlantic and then it started to spread um around the world and and shipping lines like P&O were among the first to use steamships in non-Atlantic destinations. Mm-hmm. But what we found is um, over, over the development of steamships, um, the Atlantic became an extremely lucrative um, stretch of water. So you had um, all the business and commerce that was being conducted between Europe and America and Europe and Canada. Um, so that is what drove these, um, you know, the lavish and luxurious first-class accommodations and that sort of thing that you see on the on the big Atlantic ships. Mm-hmm. But also, Baz, uh, and we've spoken about this in the past, that the, the governments on both sides of the Atlantic, but particularly the European governments, used these steamships as a way to sort of showcase their country's um, yeah. sort of national pride, I suppose. So there was government backing to build big liners because Britain didn't want to be overshadowed by Germany, who didn't want to be overshadowed by France and, and Italy and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and then also on top of that, the immigration between Europe and America was so significant that the, the ships were, were bigger and bigger, not just for prestige, but also because they were carrying so many people that yeah. were moving around the world, particularly going across to start a new life in, in America. Now, that is similar to the rest of the world where, you know, liners that were traveling between Europe and or Britain and Australia, for example, or Britain and India, 
we're, we're transporting people to start a new life or um, or for, for commerce and that sort of thing. But there, there were more destinations that those companies had to go to. So P&O, for example, had um, r- routes that went through the Mediterranean, went to Suez, went to India, Asia, you know, up into um, down to Australia rather as well. So because of that, their ships weren't, you know, doing that one direct voyage. They weren't built quite the same way. They were they were smaller in many cases than, than the biggest Atlantic liners. There were there are many Atlantic liners that were that were the same sort of scale as the ones that went around the world. They're not mm-hmm. all. They weren't all the world's largest ship by any means. <laughs> um, but they didn't. Um, you know, the largest ships in the world, the most luxurious ships in the world, were 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 often um, associated with the Atlantic because of of those factors that I mentioned before. Whereas, um, you know, the ships that were coming to Australia, they they were custom built, I suppose, to offer offer that longer voyage to Australia. And then they were sort of built slightly differently. So they did have the traits of all the ocean liners share the similar sorts of traits with strong hull, powerful engineering to allow them to maintain the schedule mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, the long bow and the, um, the, the, the strong forward superstructure to protect them from, from the weather and the waves. But the ships that were coming to Australia had um, had to cross the tropics, for example. So they had more yeah. open deck space. They had um, taken into consideration things like um, tropical weather ventilation where the Atlantic liners didn't. So there were um, some, some differences between them in terms of their design and, and in terms of their scale. Uh, and a lot of that... Um, sort of led to these sort of different cl- kind of structures of ships. So you see the P&O and Orient Line, for example, they're building ships with a very specific appeal to that particular market, whereas the Atlantic liners were built um, for that very fast sort of quick turnaround voyage between those two um, major destinations. So that is one of the reasons why I think so much of the innovation happened um or the noted innovation, there's innovation everywhere, but the stuff that you hear about so often is the stuff that happened on the Atlantic because these ships were sort of symbols of national pride. They were amongst some of the largest ones, you know, the ships like Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth and Normandy and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But the same sort of level of pride and um, and uh, and innovation was happening on ships coming to the rest of the world, the liners that going around the world, but it was in different areas. So it was things like passenger amenities perhaps, perhaps or improved improved um air circulation or yeah um you know in the in, in the case of um of orient line the relocation of the bridge to amidships to allow the forward of the ship to have open spaces for passengers to mingle and um and enjoy the outdoor area as well so yeah they they are they are different like one of the biggest changes you can see barry um is that as throughout the um 19 sort of 40s and 50s the liners that are being built to come to Australia, they start to move the lifeboat deck a bit further down into the hull. They have more space on the top of the ship that's available for passengers to use. Okay. But the Atlantic liners, they kept the lifeboats up high. They kept it kind of boxed in um, because they're going to be in rough weather pretty much year round. And, you know, in winter crossings are very rough. So they had to yeah. have that inward sort of focus. So that's the differences. But then you could put... Um, you know, you could put a liner that was designed, Canberra, for example, you know, she was designed for the Australian run, but she could do the transatlantic. Yeah. Um, she didn't do it often, but she she did do it. And, um, you know, Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, which were built for the Atlantic, o- operated between Australia and the Middle East with the trooping service. 
it wasn't comfortable for people on board because there was no air conditioning. There was poor ventilation because the ships were used to the cold climate. Yeah, yeah. but it was possible to do it. Hmm, interesting. Good, uh, good question, Todd. And uh, yeah, thanks, Todd. Good answers, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Now, uh, I've also got another listener question, but I didn't send this through because I was just going to give you the question today uh, for you to think about over the week and come back to us next week. Um, it's, it is a nautical question, but it's more around the Royal Yacht Britannia because uh, Michael, who I think is in the UK, mm. sent in a question saying that there's talk in the UK um, since the passing of Prince Philip, the mm-hmm. uh, Duke of Edinburgh, for a new um, Royal Yacht yep. um, to be built in, in his memory. Um, and... Um, he was asking, you know, what do you know or what do we know about the, the initial Royal Yacht Britannia, which, of course, is at home or at rest up in Scotland at the moment. So have a think about that one and uh, we'll come back with some facts, I guess, next week. OK, sure. Yeah. No, she's got a, um, she has a fascinating history and was built at a very famous shipyard. So I'd be happy to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Great news. Um, speaking of news, let's just take a quick break and then we'll jump straight into the latest news from around the world for this week. Sounds good. me again just a quick reminder um if you want to help keep this podcast on air there's a little way that you can do it if you're familiar with patreon which other podcasters and youtubers use that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them we use something similar but we use a system called buy me a coffee um just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop very very similar although you're not physically buying me a coffee you're making a small donation and every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you uh, then receive priority access to the podcast because all of our supporters do receive the the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live. And uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for iTunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up. So if you would like uh, that priority access, then the easiest way to do so is to support us via Buy Me A Coffee. You can buy one coffee, you can buy two coffees, you can buy ten coffees, or you can buy a whole year's supply. It's entirely up to you, but every single... Uh, little donation through Buy Me A Coffee is greatly appreciated. The links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. time to jump straight into the news and uh, once again it's uh, it seems there's a lot going on in the cruise world whether it's uh, restarting cruising or new ships and things happening so let's uh, jump in straight away with the latest cruise news um, from dream cruises yes so dream cruises as we as we know baz is um has been pioneering uh, voyages throughout um the covid time mm. um out of both taiwan and um, Singapore, but they're now going to be re- resuming cruising out of Hong Kong um, with the um, a series of two and three night voyages. They call them seacations, <laughs> um, <laughs> which are like sort of little, you know, little sample voyages, I suppose, compared to to some of the longer trips that people might be used to. But it does allow um, people to set sail from Hong Kong, which was a very popular um, uh, cruise destination, and it'll be taken on board the um genting dream yeah which is a, a beautiful ship those voyages are already on sale and i was having a little read through they've got some uh, different things obviously the whole world is starting to to re-emerge and starting to travel again but um mm. dream cruises have come up with an innovative an, invi- an, in- 
<laughs> Dream Cruises have come up with a way for the travellers to experience traditions from around the world. For example, they've got a Japanese festival mm-hmm. um, during August and September. They're going to do a Nordic Christmas in November and December. They've got Oktoberfest. They've got wine and dine at sea and uh, Halloween festivities, night markets, all sorts of things going on. So if you are in Hong Kong and you're keen to try a cruise or you want to have a theme cruise, then uh, take a look at the Dream Cruises website or visit your travel agent for, for all the details on that one. Yeah, I mean, if you can't if you can't uh, go to these places, it's nice to see that they're bringing it onto the ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, last week we spoke uh, quite a lot about cruise lines resuming cruising in Alaska. We had another mm-hmm. cruise line come out this week, so they'll be starting from July. Yeah, so it looks like um, behind the scenes things are ticking along with this whole um, Alaska situation because I know we've spoken about quite a few times about why Alaska has been a problem and with the with the Jones Act and that sort of thing, but. It looks mm-hmm. like the cruise lines are are preparing to um, uh, to sail to Alaska, actually from U.S. ports, by the sounds of things. So, um, RCI, as you mentioned, it's um, going to be doing seven night cruises from Seattle, um, mm-hmm. and that'll be on board both Ovation of the Seas and Serenade of the Seas. So, two uh, two different ships from different classes, but are very popular. You know, two very popular ships, um, and they'll be sailing um, at the moment. They're offering these seven night trips between July and August. Um, so each of the two ships does have um, different itineraries, Baz. Yeah, they do. Serenade's going to be visiting um, the, the three ports of Juneau, Sitka and Ketchikan, and also taking in Icy Strait Point and uh, the Endicott Arm, which is home to the Doors Glacier, where Ovation mm. of the Seas is uh, going to be going to uh, Glacier Bay National Park, Juneau, Skagway, and uh, other scenic cruising as well. So uh, well, again, exciting, if, doesn't it? If, you, if you're in North America or in a part of the world where you can travel, do consider an Alaska cruise. It's a beautiful destination um, for, for scenic cruising. There's so much to see along that coastline there. Definitely on my bucket list. Brilliant. Um, Carnival have made an announcement regarding the cancellation of some sailings down here in Australia. Not necessarily government-related. What's happening, Chris? Yeah, so they've done their... You know, Carnival obviously had a pretty strong presence in Australia before the cruise pause. They had two ships down down here um, and particularly Carnival Spirit, which was, um, which was uh, you know, long-term in Australia. But mm-hmm. they've continued their sort of what they call a rolling pause um, here through to November. Um, but this is actually because of dry docking work that's going to be undertaken on board Carnival Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, ships do, even though they've been out of service, they still have been you know, semi-operational and do still need to have that important work done to keep them in class and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but Carnival Splendor, which is the other one that had been um, a regular in local waters here, um, yep. she's still currently expected to resume service um, in September. But I think for all of us here in Australia, we're just waiting to see what the actual um, plan, I suppose, is from a government perspective in, in terms of the actual opening up of the of the cruise industry again. Yeah, we're still uh, wait and see on, on that one at this stage. I did see P&O... Um, this week sent out an EDM to all of their um, passengers encouraging um, people to get involved in the, um, in the clear campaign to try and get um, some sort of voice out there about, um, about reopening the, the, the cruise industry. So, so P&O sent out that to, well, I received it anyway, but to to all of their people who are on their mailing list and it allows you to, um, to go to the clear website and then it, it self populates an email that goes, um, out to uh, uh, to the yeah. various people in in government to say, look, we're we're hoping that you can 
you can work with cruise lines to to get a um, you know pathway to cruising resuming local domestic cruising that is um, yep. which I think you spoke about in a previous podcast pass yeah and I will put that link in the show notes once again because it is important if you're here in Australia and you want to get behind the cruise line and just get the government working on that uh, that uh, planned uh, way forward to bring the ships back then uh, it's a very easy process you just pop in some details and uh, it will populate uh, it will generate a letter or an email uh, to uh, your your members and uh, you, to your local member of parliament and also the uh, members for different areas of mm. tourism and infrastructure etc cetera, etc cetera. so again that, that that link will be in the show notes this week as well for anybody that has yet to do that now, staying in the Carnival family, our Holland America, who we do know has already uh, announced what they're going to be doing in Europe for this year. Mm. Um, they've actually extended the Mediterranean season a little. Yeah, well, they've done a bit of a swap as well. So Eurodam's going to start taking on some cruises that used to be um, offered on board Westerdam um, in the Mediterranean. So um, starting in September, and it's going to go through to the end of October, um, she'll be doing five um 12-day cruises in Venice, well, departing from Venice and um, taking in a Piraeus for Athens in Greece and then, of course, um, Barcelona um, in, for Spain. And then um, she will also then reposition across to um, the the UK, well, it's not the UK, sorry, the US market. So there's a, a voyage actually from Barcelona to Fort Lauderdale, which is um, mm, quite, quite a long nice, transatlantic cruise <laughs> um, because, of course, Unless you're going direct, it's not really a crossing, but it, it would be, it'll be quite um, exciting. So Eurodam, for those who don't know, it's a signature class vessel, um, so slightly bigger than Westerdam, which is one of the Vista class ships, um, and she carries just over two thousand one hundred passengers. Yeah, Westerdam was nineteen hundred and something, Eurodam mm-hmm. two thousand one hundred and something. But yeah, I really like that Barcelona to Fort Lauderdale. But I also like the thought of the cruise previous, which allows you to do a back to back departing Venice. So taking you from Venice down the Dalmatian coast into Greece, up the coast of Italy, into Barcelona, mm. and then carrying on into that transatlantic, as you said there. So few and different options, that so. will be from the from the new location in Venice, because of course the big ships aren't allowed to go through to the old yeah. terminal anymore. So that will be interesting to see if anyone does that to get a um a cruise uh, review of the of the new setup in Venice. Mm, exactly. Now we're going to stay in the premium sector for a moment because uh, Celebrity Cruises have announced a new addition to their wellness program. So yes, yeah, so this one, Baz, is going to be focused on Celebrity Beyond, um, which of course is a very exciting development yeah, in itself. Sure, it's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and they'll be doing a, a whole heap of um, wellness and fitness highlights on board. Um, this starts with something that they're referring to as an aqua class sky suites, which is a <laughs> um, floor to ceiling ocean views, private verandas, like building wellness into the accommodation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and it, it has a whole heap of um, amenities that are based around this aqua class offering that they've got. Um, and then of course you can then access the retreat, which is part of the celebrity um, offering and the celebrity wellness offering. Um, and then they've got uh, a variety of different programs that you can participate in as well, from fitness classes to cycling to onboard yoga um, and a, a whole focus on cardio and strength, um, which is really exciting. And then they're also offering a, a woman in wellness um, at sea initiative um, and a spa experience as well with their thermal spa that they offer on board the ship. Yeah, so 120 I think, um, different spa treatments there. Incredible. Yeah, I know, right? Exactly. Um, and 12 new 
therapies that are inspired by the destinations that the ship's going to be sailing to. So um, mm. it does sound like they're taking that um, wellness experience to the next level. Yeah, even that fitness there, they've, they're bringing on the F45, which is obviously a very popular mm-hmm. um, system, and then yeah. Peloton, which is the cycling craze that is going on around the world as well. So yeah, for sure. definitely uh, elevating things a little bit there. Um, we've got quite a bit of news from the Norwegian family coming up next. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off with um, Norwegian also announcing that they're returning to Alaska uh, for this year as well, 2021. Yes, they are. Yep. So they're going to be uh, 2021 return to Alaska from um, August of this year. Um, and they, they again are going to be based out of Seattle. So it's going to be a busy port <laughs> mm, with all so these voyages. And it's, I guess it makes sense because it's, um, you know, logistically quite close. Um, so they'll be taking Norwegian bliss up to, um, Alaska, um, and she'll be sailing through to the middle of October. Um, and they do say that, um, the ship when it is, is in that region will be offering between seven and 13 hours of time, port time. So time alongside um, in Skagway um, and Juneau. So that would be great, as well as heading up to Icy Strait Point. So I think, um, you know, some in- interesting and innovative um, itineraries that have been put together as well as the cruise lines return to Alaska. Yeah, I mean, most of them include two or three of those key ports there, but where they go for their scenic cruising does uh, does vary. Um, mm-hmm. Some go to Glacier Bay, some go to Hubbard Glacier, Icy Strait Point, etc. So uh, if, you're, if you're not familiar with Alaska and you need a little bit of help, do look out for a clear accredited travel agent in your local area. Now... Uh, the Alaska announcement came out early this week. Towards mm-hmm. the uh, the end of this week, NCL also announced the restart for eight additional ships. Yes, so we've got Norwegian Joy, Breakaway, Bliss, Encore, Escape, Pearl, Jewel, Sun and Spirit, as well as the Pride of America, um, all <laughs> resuming um, voyages uh, over the next sort of, well, between now and the, and the end of February at least. Because, um, of course, it depends on the location as to where they're actually going to um, uh, going to be restarting. So, you know, you've got Joy, who's going to be doing cruises um, from Miami from October. Um, Breakaway uh, will be going to Bermuda and New York from New York in October. Uh, Pride of America will resume her Hawaiian voyages. Of course, she's the only large U.S. flag ship, so she's allowed to do um, Hawaii voyages without having to go outside of mm-hmm. the United States. So that's yep. um, something that she specializes in. Um, Bliss will be taking on voyages out of Los Angeles to the Mexican Riviera, um, Encore, uh, Miami to the Caribbean, um, as well as Escape, but it's going to be, um, it'll be traveling from Port Canaveral rather than from Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Pearl's actually going to do a Panama Canal um, transit and take in the Bahamas and the Caribbean, which is quite exciting. Panama Canal is one of those experiences that is just remarkable because to see the ships going being lifted up into the uh, up the locks if you're in the old locks or um, the new locks also very very in- innovative in their design so it's fascinating mm-hmm. to see yeah um jewel also be doing panama canal and calling in at panama city um uh, norwegian sun she's going to be um, establishing cruises in asia for her first first time but that will be from 2022 and spirit will be making her way down to australia but again in 2022 and she'll also yeah. take in new zealand yeah, no, that's uh, 9th of February, hoping to see her in our local waters, which uh, seems like a lifetime away, but I'm sure it'll come around very, very quickly. It'll be nice to see her here, yeah. <laughs> now, staying within the Norwegian family, of course, Oceania um, is the, the premium brand for them. Um, Oceania have announced the, the restart for three ships out of their fleet at this stage. Yes, yeah, so Riviera, Insignia, and Serena. Um, so Riviera will be doing um, voyages 
um, departing from Istanbul from October 2021, and she'll be concentrating on a series of Mediterranean cruises before um, beginning her sort of northern hemisphere winter experience in the Caribbean. I think it's just south of the equator, isn't it, the Caribbean? But um, hmm. uh, she'll be um, repositioning, I suppose, for the northern winter when it gets too cold up, up north. Um, Insignia, um, she'll be taking on the Panama Canal um, in December, and then we'll embark on a round-the-world voyage um, that departs from LA and ends up in New York at the end of it all. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, and, and that Serena, one's sold out. Yes, yes, exactly sold out, as you say. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in that, um, sorry, you've waited too long. <laughs> um, but um, Serena also will be will be sailing on a series of voyages um, with from January 2022 with the Caribbean um, and well as well as voyages from Miami to the Panama um, to Panama City. So I will be going through the canal as well. Yeah, and we're just we're still waiting on the regatta and the Nautica to announce what they will be doing. But I'm sure we'll uh, get to know that in the coming weeks, and of course we'll update you as soon as we have that. And lastly, for the Norwegian family, uh, Regent Seven Seas have also announced what they're going to be returning to uh, to uh, the ocean, and it does mean a little bit of bad news for Australia in the mix. Yeah, so um, Seven Seas Splendor will be uh, undertaking its first season in September of 2021, um, and it's going to be based out of um, Southampton um, and then the rest of the fleet will then resume their voyages from um, October onwards mm-hmm. so Explorer um, Seven Seas Explorer she's going to depart from the 16th of October and she's doing sailings from Venice um, and then she'll begin later a, a new Caribbean season again in, in the northern winter so they're obviously repositioning for that but this impacts um, Australian voyages because of course um, with that they've had to cancel its previously planned um, season in the Asian Pacific region mm-hmm. but I think we'll probably see a little bit of this happening now because some markets are opening up and others are still like yep. unsure so you, you can't you have to understand where the cruise lines are coming from I suppose yep. um, because I know that they've got like a market for the ships in the, those regions um, Seven Seas Mariner, um, she's undertaking actually a, a dry docking for technical purposes. So they'll be working on, you know, mechanics and bow thrusters and all that sort of stuff that you need to have the ship in dry dock for. Um, mm-hmm. But she'll be returning to, to sailing um, in December of 2021. And then she'll be cruising from Miami and she'll actually go all the way to San Francisco. So she's going to obviously make her way from one side of the country to the other. Um, and then we'll undertake a world cruise from the 5th of January, 2022. Seven Seas Navigator, she's resuming on the 6th of January, 2022, again from Miami. Um, and then she'll be undertaking her 2022 Southern Caribbean winter sailings, which have been published for a while. Um, and Seven Seas Voyager um, will commence five new voyages in the Mediterranean Um and she's actually going to be based on, for the first one out of Barcelona. Barcelona is, again, another port that seems to be becoming more and more popular <laughs> with the oh, cruise sure. assumption. Um, and then, yeah, so she'll then sort of slot into her previously published um, 2022 European season. Yeah, that's quite early February to be uh, to doing a, a European season, but uh, others have done it before, so it's yeah, exactly. interesting to see what happened with Regent. Uh, now, next up, um, our good friend Captain Kate, who has been on the podcast before, mm. 
she must be uh, dancing down that ship right now because uh, she will have just received the news that her ship, Celebrity Edge, will be the first of the celebrity ships to recommence. Yes, exactly. Um, departing Fort Everglades, uh, Port Everglades rather, in Fort Lauderdale. Sorry, I got my, my ports and forts, uh, <laughs> forts and <your> ports. <laughs> um, uh, muddled up. Um, yes, so fa- fascinating and, and fantastic news. Um, for for celebrity and and as you say captain kate so 26th of june um so it's just around the corner really um and it's because they were given the go-ahead um or the okay by the cdc um to to allow them to undertake this this voyage um they met all the standards for delivering um the the cruise experience per the cdc guidelines Mm -hmm. um and so it will also be I, i guess a bit of a um test case for the whole Royal Caribbean operation because they, they obviously own, RCI yep. owns multiple brands, including Celebrity, um, with with testing the water in terms of operating out of the US under these new guidelines. So, you know, a big step forward there. Did yeah. you say Captain Kate must be very excited? Oh, she is, I'm sure. And I do remember when we spoke to her that she was uh, she promised that she will be on the gangway with the pots and pans banging and screaming and shouting to welcome those ha. first guests. And well, I'm pretty out. sure she will be. <laughs> yeah. Now, Penance being the French flag cruise line, have announced um, the Northern Summer 2022 sales, and they're saying it's the Arctic Explored as it's never been done before. Yeah, so it's on board their exploration ship, one of their luxury vessels, Le Commandant Charcot. Um, and she's going to be doing, um, well, at the moment, <laughs> she's actually undertaking her sea trials. So she's a new yeah. ship. Um, and it's um, probably the most luxurious polar class ship that's been, or one of at least, that's been built. It's got a hybrid um, LNG propulsion system, which is, again is one of these new, uh, more environmentally friendly trends that we're seeing with, with many of the new ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, that polar... Um, class two certification, which allows her to go into um, areas that are, you know, um, no in for their icebergs, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, all the little things that make her quite green, including her unique water treatment plant where all of the waste is recycled on board um, and they don't use any single-use plastics on board the ship either. So it's, um, you know, the right kind of ship to be going into these these delicate environmental areas. I think um, that luxury experience is what what they're referring to there by bringing that level of um, of comfort and and luxury to to that part of the world. Yeah, and some of the places they're heading to, we've got the geographic North Pole, we've got Northeast Greenland, uh, a destination that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, uh, <laughs> including Svalbard, the Northwest Passage, and the list goes on and on. So again, see your, your good clear travel agent or head on to the Penant website for further information on those ones. But a little closer to home with Penant, they've also announced an additional 14 bubble border... <laughs> Start that again. Fourteen border bubble border bubble, <laughs> border bubble voyages yeah. in New Zealand and beyond. Yeah, for sure. So um, if, all the way all the way up until twenty twenty three, actually, starting later this year, um, there's um, a voyage that explores New Zealand's fjordland, um, takes in Dunedin, Wellington. There's a voyage that will um, allow you to sail from New Zealand to Antarctica, um, which goes round trip from Dunedin. And there's also a, a 13-night New Zealand to New Caledonia trip. Mm. So, you know, they've um, – and it's on board various ships from their fleet. So they're looking, again, outside the box and doing things that are a little bit different to what things were like before the cruise pause. 
Yeah, no good on Punant. And uh, we'll stay with Expedition Cruising just one more moment because Crystal, who are currently building the Crystal Endeavour, have uh, hit another milestone. Yes, she's just uh, completed her, her sea trials. Um, and that is sort of the big step that a ship needs to undertake before it's accepted by its new owner. Um, and many a ship in the past in history has, has run into some problems during their sea trials and sometimes it re, re, you know requires delays or reworkings and stuff so to, to successfully complete the sea trial is um you know a big tick in mm-hmm. in the box particularly for the um for the shipyard as well because this particular ship was made in in germany from the shipyard mv werften um she's a twenty thousand two hundred ton ship um we've spoken about her before but she mm-hmm. she's got all sorts of um, unique and innovative features. She's got a polar class six hull, uh, which allows her to go to the Arctic and Antarctic. She's got um, azopods, which aren't that unique these days, but um, on the expedition ships, you know, to have that included, it allows her a great amount of flexibility and maneuverability in her in her manu- in, in her moving around in those areas. Um, and she's also, um, you know, being from Crystal, has that has that luxury sort of finish and fixtures on board as well so um you know very exciting for everybody at the shipyard but also for crystal to to be there because they'd have representatives and and the future captain of the ship on the bridge as they complete those um uh those sea trials and and get the get the ticks in terms of safety and propulsion and navigation and noise and vibration and speed so yeah it'll be a really exciting really exciting day yeah, so she will then move on, of course, to the next stage, which will really just be the, the finishing touches before mm-hmm. before she's launched, of course. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, we're going to go back to Oceania, and there is a reason why I kept this to the very end, because I wanted to include some photos in the show notes, and sure. uh, photos generally appear towards the bottom of the show notes. So we'll head back to, you, uh, to Oceania now, because they've unveiled uh, some images, some artist renderings for their, their new ship, which is going to be called Vista. Tell us more. Yeah, so it's actually the first of two ships of their Allura class, Mm. Um, will be built by Fincantieri. So, um, again, a very experienced shipbuilder. We've spoken in detail about them in previous podcasts if you want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the class is 67,000 tonnes. Today, sort of small to mid-size, but and it's funny, actually, Baz, because when Kiwi 2 entered service as the second largest ship in service, she was 67,000 tonnes all the way back oh, wow. in 1969. <laughs> so things have definitely um, changed a lot since then. Um, and she's going to be the seventh ship for the for Oceania, and of course they've already got a um, uh, you know a renowned reputation with their luxury ships, most of which are um, the R, former R class vessels. Um, but here we've got a, a, a ship that's got sort of taking those elements of the existing fleet, but then bringing it into sort of a new era with this new with this new build and the new design. So she's got eleven decks. Um, she will have, like the other ships, a grand staircase, but this one here um, has been sort of designed with the signature statement in mind. Um, so we've got, um, they said it's going to be floor-to-ceiling pillars of crystal and light um, for the guests to arrive into, so that sounds pretty exciting. Um, they're going to have um, a, a reimagined experience in a specific martini bar um, on board the ship. Um, which sounds cool. They've got a grand lounge, um, which is sort of their elegant show lounge, but it's designed to ensure that when people come in there, they feel like they're coming into this unforgettable, elegant place. And you can also um, 
enjoy you know after dinner drinks and a show with um with people that you've met on board and they've got a new um uh offering on board the ship a new lounge um called horizons uh, which will be offering 180 degree views for passengers so and this will be a multi-purpose area so it'd be great in the mornings for a quiet place to sit or have a drink over a lunch or afternoon tea um, or for in the evening there'll be musical performances and stuff like that as well and then they've sort of um, uh, up, upscaled their pool amenities as well so they have built sort of an oasis around um, the main pool area um, which will give people a um, sort of a kind of a beach club sort of feel uh, on board the ship a little bit like going ashore but not having to leave the ship at all <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at the images, I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, it's a really nice blend of the best of celebrity and the 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 best, almost a pared down little version of, of Regent in some respects. So mm. um, I'm sure the ship will be immensely popular. She's looking great. There's 67,000 tons, 1,200 guests, and coming into service in 2023 and built by those good people at Fincantieri once again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they've built so much of the world's fleet of... Um of of passenger ships these days um and you know we there's a lot of ships at the moment that are under construction there they're not the only shipbuilder but most of the fleets of the of the world will have some representation from um from fincantieri so great news now uh, that's all we've got in this week's uh, cruise news um but i'm sure you've got something else to share with chris any videos coming out this week Actually, this week, Baz, we've had a break from the videos. We've, oh, um, good on you! Actually, yeah, we just just um, uh, have been working on a few other other projects. I I do write for for various magazines, um, and that's been keeping me keeping me pretty busy. Um, but after our last podcast, I did um, upload a video about the, um, the 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 countries that have restarted and the ones that haven't. So. If you're, um, you know, if you're a listener and you're and you're wondering, you know, why there's such a discrepancy, I suppose, between cruising restarting in Britain, but in Australia you can't go anywhere, and in America you might be able to, and all that sort of stuff. It kind of explains that in a bit more detail. So that's on the channel at the moment, uh, and then Brilliant. we'll get back to our usual sort of um, video upload schedule next week. <laughs> love it now i've got one more thing to share with you as well chris um david gowdy who was listening in scotland hi david um he very generously donated a couple of coffees uh, one for oh, each of nice. us um and said that he, he's loving the podcast he's only recently discovered us he uh, can't wait to get back on qm2 so he's a uh, uh, yep. <laughs> i, I um, totally understand how you feel <laughs> <laughs> but um i thought rather than you know just shouting your coffee next time i see you, i thought why don't we um head out next friday and i was gonna say film on location what am i thinking <laughs> let's record on location somewhere unfortunately we won't be on a ship but maybe let's go down to a boat harbor or something and uh, find a coffee shop and uh, we'll do the podcast in person rather than being in studios sounds good. And opposite sounds sides great. Of the... and okay, thanks so much awesome. for shouting us the coffee that's, that's really kind david and i do want to make i i do want to make one other correction to mm -hmm. the to the to the previous comments that i've made of course the caribbean's north of the equator i don't know what i was thinking um, but it, it stays warm year round, so that's why they send their the European ships often go to the Caribbean for the northern winter. But it is, it is not, yeah. It, but it's north of the equator. <laughs> awesome, Chris. That's great. Thanks once again. Um, we'll uh, be back this time next week. Yeah, I'll see you south of the equator next week, Buzz, at a at a <laughs> coffee shop and uh, 
there might be a little Thanks bit of background Davis. noise for the listeners, but at least they can um, they can uh, share in the uh, the experience with us of sitting at a an Australian boat harbour. <laughs> exactly, and hopefully smelling the coffee themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Take care. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.